Thank you for the download, for the stream, hopefully for the subscription to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. You know I keep it free. I get the best guests. I give you all this content, and all I ask of you is that you help the show in whatever ways you possibly can. A couple ways that are very easy for you to do that are, number one, to make sure that you're subscribed. Whether you listen on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, make sure that you're subscribed to the show. That way, every time an episode comes out, be it on a Thursday morning, be it one of our our bonus episodes, you are going to get the show and you'll be the first to get it if you are subscribed. If you're already subscribed and you want to do more, it's totally free to go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, and write a review, a positive review for Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It helps more than you know, and it's easy for you to do. I do for you, you do for me. That'll be the relationship that we have. And if you don't believe that I'll do for you, then you sit right there and you enjoy another episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Here we are again. Here we are again. Same time, same channel. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Only days away from Clash of Champions at the time of this being released. A lot to talk about. Only days away from Final Battle, Ring of Honor, at the time of this release. Only, what, a month, a month and change away from the Royal Rumble. At the time... Of this release, and of course, WWE has a brand new show on Facebook coming. We've got a a cruiserweight that's no longer, or or at least on indefinite suspension. I don't know, there's a lot to get into. And Matt Hardy's still woken. We could talk about Matt Hardy being woken every week, all week, for many, many weeks here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. But I thank you for joining me. I thank you for being a part of the show. Uh, I'm always so appreciative of it. I've got news about my inclusion in this week's uh, Clash of Champions pay-per-view on the WWE Network. You can probably guess what it is, but I'll talk about that in the bridge segment between the interview and the state of wrestling uh, this week. Thanks to Alexa Bliss for being a part of the show last week. Of course, uh, the whole podcast is available whenever you want to get it, but it was really interesting to hear her talk about, first of all, I watched Total Divas this week. I saw Alexa Bliss. Half the episode was her talking about buying her pig. I did not realize when I spoke to Alexa Bliss about this pig that this pig was going to be the star of Total Divas and Rusev Day was going to be laughing at the pig. That's hilarious. <laughs> and it was hilarious. Good for Rusev. Uh, yeah, he, the pig was a big star of Total Divas. And we had this scoop here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I also still, I've been thinking about it a bunch, uh, the idea that she thought that she could have been fired in NXT, that if things didn't work out the way she thought that they should work out, she would have been gone skiing. Can you imagine? At this point, Alexa Bliss not being in the company anymore. I can't. We'll talk about Alexa Bliss in the state of wrestling, uh, her inclusion in the Mixed Match series that's coming out for Facebook, but also uh, what she's doing over on Raw uh, as the women's champion not exactly being front and center, at least this week on Raw. So we'll talk about all that. But before we get all lost in talking about last week's interview, we should talk about this week's interview. There are a few guys in this world of of sports entertainment and pro wrestling that you sit there and go, that guy needs to put out a book. There are more 
books in wrestling than there are authors that should be putting out books, if that makes sense. But one of the people who I'm sure for years, you've all agreed with me, needs a book on the shelves is good old J.R. Jim Ross. Good old J.R. is a guy who not only created the sound of a generation with Jerry the King Lawler uh, uh, crafting the audio experience of the Attitude Era, but he was also the head of talent relations for a long time. He was the head of talent relations when Steve Austin and The Rock and Mick Foley and all these guys came in. Not Duke the Dumpster Drossy, that wasn't him. But after that, all JR. You're talking about a guy who did, you know, 15, 20 years in the world of pro wrestling before he got to WWE. You know, with with the WCW, with Crockett, with all all Bill Watts, all all kinds of stories of being a guy who was driving driving guys up and down the road, being a guy who was uh, uh, sleeping on floors in hotel rooms. He was a referee, and he makes it all the way up to WWE. He gets fired twice, I think, before he really settled in for his long run there. Um, and I'm glad he's still there uh, I, today. As of this recording, Wednesday, we found out, uh, according to Jerry Lawler, that there's a very, very, very good chance that he and, and JR will be part of the Raw 25th anniversary special, which I think is only fair and fitting. I think that they have to be. But the reason why I bring up that that's a guy that needs a book out is because that's a guy who has a book out. JR has uh, recently put out a book called Slobberknocker, and it's about his life in the world of wrestling. It goes from the very, very beginning you know, however many decades before WWE and ends at WrestleMania 15. It goes through 1998 because WrestleMania 15, it's really interesting. He almost thought, he thought for a moment that WrestleMania 15, the Rock and Austin match would be his last match behind a desk. And that was really only the beginning for JR. He came in and did uh, an interview for my show on satellite radio, Jim Norton and Sam Roberts, which you can get if you want to hear it. It's a great interview on the Jim Norton and Sam Roberts uh, YouTube page. But I asked JR, I said, uh, Jim, if you wouldn't mind, I think uh, a lot of the people who listen to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast would like another sit-down between you and I. It's been a long time. I've talked to him on the phone. I've done live events with him. Uh, I had him on Jim and Sam. But it's been a long time since JR and I sat down for an extended interview in person, face-to-face. The last time we did it, go on the Not Sam YouTube page. You'll see it's, it's done over a million views just because of how much JR has seen. Now, in this book, Slobberknocker, he goes over everything that you want to know. What I did is I actually got the audiobook, not because my eyes are lazy or because uh, I'm not uh, intellectually stimulated by the written word, but because JR actually reads the book. It's like listening, the JR Slobberknocker audiobook is like listening to a, a fantastic JR podcast where he's just telling his entire story. It's like 11 hours or something like that. It's amazing. It's great for a road trip. It's great to have on, like, just have it on your phone. So whenever you drive, you can listen to a little more of JR's audiobook, if that's your thing. If you like reading, then read it, uh, read it with your peepers, read it with your eyes. But JR did sit down with me for a one-on-one exclusive for Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast for all of you guys uh, to kind of 
let everybody know what he was up to now, to talk about uh, the current product, but also to talk about uh, his career. Now, we hit a lot of the big notes the first time we did an interview. So like I said, this interview, there's not a lot of retreading. You can go back if you're interested in the uh, in, in the Owen Hart story, in the Montreal screw job, in all of that stuff. You can go back on YouTube and you can find the interview that I did with him a few years ago. This is an update. This is what's... This is... JR today and today it's on Sam Roberts wrestling podcast and now the Sam Roberts wrestling podcast interview last time we uh, last time we taped something together in studio it did about a over a million hits on YouTube so no pressure or anything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jim Ross is back what's going on JR uh, just, you know trying to sell a book or two and do a little wrestling here, there, and yon. Yeah. Enjoying football season, Sooners in the Rose Bowl. It's all good. Well, you figured out the secret, right, is is to is to do, be able to do everything but not have to live anything, right? I don't live as much. That's for darn sure. You know, no kidding. Uh, yeah, I, every gig I have, is I have fun doing. With right. My podcast, I, I, I'm, I think I'm around 200 episodes. I'll do one a week, so mm-hmm. it's been around a while. Right. And, uh and hopefully uh, it'll continue to do okay. And then the book is a big project. I love book signings, all that stuff. So, yeah, it's, I don't have any jobs, really. I don't have any job. I have things I like to do, and they actually get paid for them. Yeah, you got little gigs here and there. That's it. Just some gigs. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, and you're actually uh, – did so I was, I was really surprised when I got the book. I didn't realize that you were thinking about leaving in 98. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, March of 98 – WrestleMania 15, you hadn't even done half the stuff yet that you were going to become known for, right? Yeah, right. Isn't that kind of amazing? Oh, like, yeah. like, like you were in the mindset of, okay, you know, I've, I've, I've done pretty much what I came to do, yeah. and you didn't even know you, you, you haven't done half of it yet. No, it was. Uh, I just, uh, well, that was the the reason that happened. Obviously, that was my second Bell's palsy issue, mm-hmm. and it was a more severe case than I thought the previous one was. HDTV was getting cool and and and, right. and big. I, I I always had the you know the the uh, round little little face and uh, or big face and the southern accent. So now I can't smile. So what the hell? I, I, I'm not doing well. So I really believe that my uh, return at WrestleMania uh, there in Philly with Austin and and Rock uh, was going to be. Well, that's where it was, right, Philly? I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, that was it. I said, you know, I'm really pushing the envelope. And if it is stress that's causing these things, doing live TV every week is not really great for your stress level. And no. I, and I had never had stress issues, Sam. I never had panic attacks or anything until that day. The day of WrestleMania, I had a hell of a panic attack. I fe- and I and when I saw, uh, see Tony Soprano, James Gandolfini having yeah. panic attacks, I could get it. Right. I actually felt what he was going through. Like the shallowness yeah. of breath and the... But I'm in a, I'm in a tuxedo in a little room... Hiding in a bathroom, yeah, just thinking I gotta go tell the old man I can't do this, and something said, man, you, you know, you worked all your life to do what you're doing, you love it, so if it's gonna be your last one, go kick ass. Mm-hmm. So I talked myself out of not going out for that one, but I really believed this is it. Have you had uh, severe panic outside of that one? Like after that, were there more? Never again. Or once you got through that, it was like never again. Even in the biggest tragedies of my life, yeah. when my wife getting killed this year uh, in an automobile thing, um, I didn't have them then. 
I don't have any idea how all that 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 pressure was, but boy, it was magnified big time. So was the WrestleMania 15 match the first time? Because you hear now a bunch of different stories. You could bring up a bunch. Of, the most recent one was, of course, the last WrestleMania. But what you hear is that guys like the Undertaker, like who, like Sean, whoever it is, request, no, 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 I want Jr. doing this match. And I think that that's what I had, had heard happen with The Undertaker and Roman Reigns. I don't know if it's true or not. But you did say it was true that Austin and The Rock got together for WrestleMania 15 and said, we want JR they, calling they, our match. They, they requested me, Sam. And, you know, here's the bottom line. And you, you're, in the, you're in that world uh, much more regularly than me, which is fine. I'm happy for you. <laughs> it's kind of unbelievable, yeah. to tell you the truth, when you put it that way. But that's yeah. good. Oh, you know, really, it's great. Uh-huh. And uh, But I, I don't know. I... I just, uh, I just, I'm always honored that those guys think that much of my work. But Austin and Rock were two of the guys I signed, two of the guys I brought into WWE, helped bring in. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be a one-man band here, by the way. But uh, out of respect, and they knew my situation. You know, my mother had died, triggered another attack. Uh, Bell's palsy, Bell's attack, palsy yeah. attack, yeah. And uh, then I was, I, I was on the bench from December to WrestleMania. So, and I, again, I, I just, I'd really lost my game. I thought, I said, I, I can't, I don't, I look bad. People are going to look at me like I'm a freak and you know, I don't know. It's not, it's not going to work out. I got to figure out something to do. And I even thought about, well, maybe I'll, and this is before podcasts, maybe I can find something in radio or some, some, some audible job that mm-hmm. they don't have to look at me, look at my grotesque face. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but it was a tough day, man. It was, a, and that's how the book starts. Yeah. The book starts and ends on that day. Yeah. Without revealing Which the whole story. But. Also surprised me because I feel like you might have, uh, I mean, the book is long as it is, and, and, and there's a lot in there because you go through your entire life in wrestling, which this is probably the first time that a lot of people are hearing the stories of the first 20 years or so. Yeah. But uh, did you leave another book in you? Oh, absolutely. On purpose? Yeah. We're, yeah. we're, uh, we're uh, this book, Slobber Knocker, My Life in Wrestling, is they're getting ready to uh, engage the fourth printing. Wow, and it's got uh, it's going crazy, and they've had distribution issues. They meaning our publishing company, because uh, they, as long with well, along with us, quite frankly, uh, not to throw them on the bus entirely, but we underestimated how it's going to do. Mm-hmm. And so, some places sold their whole inventory they ordered the day one, and then when people came day two to buy the book, thing they're they're in a safe zone. There are no books. Wow. So then you go to something like Amazon. Then Amazon is sold out. Amazon UK had no books. Uh, they sold them out in a day. So now they've got shipments coming. And I think we've got some of that uh, erect, uh, rectified. But uh, it's been amazing. So going back to WrestleMania 15, is that the first time you know of that people are request like big top-tier guys, top-tier talent is requesting that you be the voice of the match? Uh, I Probably the most prominent. I mean, yeah. I, I know that uh, Flair and Steamboat like my work. Flair, Flair liked my work in his matches because I got him. I, I loved him and his work. I felt it. I, I understood what he's working to achieve, and I bought in. What you have to buy in is if you're doing this. You mm-hmm. have to buy into the talent. If you have no emotional investment in the talent, then you're just you're just giving uh, coach speak. Right. Well, it's going to be a tough match. I got a bidding for a three count. And or you're doing you're doing. I think a lot of guys, uh, especially as time goes on, do an imitation of what the commentator sounded like when they were watching. You know what I mean? They just do like, well, this is what a commentator sounds like because I used to watch, so I'll just do that. Yeah. 
and they're not invested in the actual no. story. No, yeah, and you got to bring some to get some, right? Yeah, you got to bring an opinion. Like you, your work on the pregame show is building anticipation for this event mm-hmm. and 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 making me look forward to certain aspects of this matchup and why I should be interested in watching it uh, and why you should be buying the pay per view if you're not a network subscriber. But if you're not a network subscriber, why aren't you? Right, nine ninety five a month for God's sakes right. for everything. Pay-per-views included. Right. So why wouldn't you be a customer? So Plus sign up tonight. It's free. Yeah, there you go. Bingo. This one and the next pay-per-view is free. There you go. How yeah. about that? What is this for you? So, uh, But I like that aspect. I told Raphael on the way over here, uh, my producer, that the match I really want to see is, uh, is, is the R match, Roberts and Rosenberg. <laughs> People are requesting it. Throw it down. <laughs> yeah, we got to figure out the venue for it. Is it... Are we at a WrestleMania level yet? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Come on, I don't know, Sam. <laughs> uh, but, Maybe the kickoff. Yeah, there you go. Kickoff show. Yeah. And then you can go back and do your desk and do your gig. That's right. Yeah, exactly. We'll sell how great our match just was. Amazing. What a uh, match. <laughs> Let's take it back to our contest moments ago. Do you? Uh, so is that the highest compliment you can get as a commentator? Is it the compliment from the guys that you know are the top performers or... Is it the compliment from the guy running the show? Is it? Are you looking for a compliment from Vince McMahon more than you're looking for a compliment from Ric Flair? Oh wow! I don't know. I mean, they're both good. Yeah. You know, Vince gave me endorsements for twenty plus years because he kept me on the air. Did you take that as like you know what? Oh yeah. I don't need. A, I don't need. I don't need a pat on the back. Mm-hmm. I don't need a good on you. If I'm here next week. Oh, you're, he's. Uh, my dad would say, uh, you know, when you're getting, when you get to be a professional, whatever you're going to do. You learn how to deal with a horse's head, and you learn how to deal with a horse's ass. Right. And uh, Vince is the head, man. He's the, he's, he's the guy. I used to tell talents this when I'd sign them. Even. Here's what you need to do to come to work here and stay here mm-hmm. and be great and make a lot of money is, uh, you know, be the professional that we expect out of you in all phases. But whatever you do, uh, develop a healthy, genuine, not disingenuous ass-kissing, but a healthy relationship with the boss. Because... That will go miles down the road and give you opportunities because he gets to know who you are. He can tag, plug into what you're about, you know, as a person. Uh, a little bit of that will, can be converted into creative. And then your you're creative is more organic. Now, I know you're not plugged into the everyday, but based on what you saw at WrestleMania, what you saw when you're doing May Young, the stuff that you see now, is that still accurate advice? Is that still possible? Can Can a young guy, do you think still establish that relationship with, with Vince McMahon? I think Vince would uh, be very adamant uh, by saying yes. Yeah. It, are those opportunities uh, every day and very, very easy to uh, obtain? Probably not, just simply because of the workload. Uh, but if I just don't believe Vince will ever let go, and he shouldn't, of his relationship with the talents. Understand that most, a lot of these kids have been wanting to get in the business forever. This, this is their dream job, right? Well, he's the guy that created the dream Yeah. in that regard. So sometimes it's intimidating for them because he is the most omnipotent man in the, in the world in, this, in our field that we love to be in. Well, there's also this idea like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm here. You know what? Yeah. If I just keep to myself, oh, yeah. if I just stay quiet over here in the corner, I don't want anybody to notice me because if they notice me, they're going to throw me out the door. So let me just... And that's not a great strategy. No, it isn't a great strategy, and it's also not good for the locker room. Right. The one thing that happened when we signed all those guys back in the uh, Attitude Era and we were trying to 
uh, compete with WCW Nitro on Monday nights and so forth uh, was that we had a very competitive group. Everybody wanted to be the top dog. Everybody took pride in being the guy. I booked Austin one time in a tag match to give him a break on a Saturday night before TV on, uh, I think they had a, no, Sunday night, excuse me, a Sunday night show in the West Coast. And I put him in a tag match uh, at Vince's suggestion. And I put him on right before intermission. So he, he goes out to, uh, to get to the town, and Jack Lanza, Black Jack Lanza, is the road agent. Mm -hmm. So Lanza calls me on the phone, which is very common. You know, go over the, what we're going to do that night creatively on the live events. He said, uh, I got Austin here for you. I handed Austin the phone. And then, you know, I, I commenced after he got through over-modulating to my phone <clears throat> and cussing, <laughs> I, I figured out that, A, he didn't like tag matches, and, B, he couldn't figure out why he wasn't going on last. And I said, well, the deal is I thought the tag match would give you a little bit of a break, uh, uh, not have to carry the whole load. And going on at the intermission, before the intermission, would get you out on the road earlier. So you got a big night at Raw the next night. And it's an early night because we're on West Coast time. Right. And, man, I, he gave me, so I worked all my GD life for this to be a top guy. And I'm the top guy. And I, I, I want to go on last. That's what top guys do. So now, that says that was him. So the that was the way that uh, some talents were in that, in that, in that world. But they if they were right, we compromised. And mm -hmm. so, he, by the way, he went. He, I unbooked the tag, <laughs> and I put him on last. So, do you think that the the developmental system uh, hinders that a little bit in the sense that I think a key part of what you just said is Austin has this chip on his shoulder because he's finally the top guy, and it's taken him X number of years to get there, and he's wrestled in this territory, and he's wrestled in WCW, and he's gotten bosses that have said, "Nah, you're you're a good hand. You're a good hand. You're a good hand." Do you think that guys coming up who've just kind of maybe they've done a little bit of indie stuff here, but most of their learning has been in the developmental system, has been in NXT, the performance center, then NXT, then the main roster, and like they've gone through this thing that seems to be pretty regimented. Do you think that it stops them from developing the chip on their shoulder? I, I, I hope that it doesn't. I can see your I can see the point being made. I'm assuming that for some talents that are not self starters and uh, maybe haven't ha don't have the confidence in their game yet, mm -hmm. or they take your philosophy you mentioned earlier, you alluded to earlier about, I'll just stay over here to be quiet. Nobody's yeah. going to notice me, and I'll extend my shelf life. And and I can tell you that, that nobody likes that. Within the creative forces of the company, if you sit silently and you don't contribute to your character, you don't have an idea, we don't see growth in all areas as a, as a professional, that you lessen your own chances by being quiet and not squeaking, so right? You get greased, so to speak. So, uh, but but Austin was a he spoke out and he made us pay attention, and he was really good, and he knew and felt his character better than any of us could ever feel it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, he's the kind of guy that just, you know, he 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 had success, and so his creativity and his creative input was vital and asked for and appreciated. He made more money for the company, maybe selling t-shirts than anybody we'd ever had there. And he designed probably 90% of them. So that's the key is like also knowing your worth, right? Yes, exactly. And, and having a few wins. Yeah. Get yourself a few wins before you start trying to be more involved. Right. Prove what you can do. And then someone says, what's the chicken of the egg? You're screwed one way or the other. No, you're not. Right. Even if you go in the ring and have a, and you're going to put the other guy over and you're, 
I said, if you're going to go and you're going to have a backdrop in your match, probably, mm-hmm. can you take a good backdrop? Damn right. I said, then take the biggest, highest backdrop that you can possibly take and sell it like you're going to the electric chair. You know, I, I, I think about that. I don't know if you saw, I've been seeing what Matt Hardy has been doing the past couple of weeks on Raw, but he's bringing back this broken character that did so well for him in TNA and right. on the indies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there and I was watching him. And his level of commitment to the character and then watching him on social media and seeing that he was still committing, 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 committing to the character and, and, and you know, making you. And they did this weird thing, right, where they have Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. And it could have not worked. But Matt took his spot and said, no, 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 no. Like, this isn't going to be a rehash of an old character. Because just because it worked before doesn't mean, right. okay, because it's been months. You know what I mean? And I, I just noticed that he it felt to me like he was taking this moment of saying, okay, you can you can do the character. And it's like, all right, well, then I'm doing the character. Yeah. He, right? He, 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 Matt has been around long enough uh, and is attuned to the business uh, in depth enough to know where opportunities come mm-hmm. and how fleeting they can be. He has one chance to make uh, Woken Matt Hardy work. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's in the process of it right now. So uh, it has to work Yeah. now because it won't get the second reboot, in my my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I'm not prophesizing any failure. I like the, the, the persona because just what you said. He's committed to it. It's or It feels organic. It feels like his, he's had a metamorphosis of, a, of, a, of attitude and theory and mind and a whole nine yards. And to me, I find it very provocative and interesting. What do you think of social media uh, with wrestlers these days and the fact that uh, they don't maintain their character? Because I kind of see both perspectives. As a fan, I would love the idea of my only exposure to this individual being the character that I see on TV and I can kind of fall into it. And when we do see the real-life elements, it's that Mick Foley stuff where it's still still the character. But at the same time, these are— People who want to have a Twitter account, want to have a life that want to. I think we, I think we, uh, I think we're past the pale on the, taking it back. The genie's out of the bottle, mm-hmm. by and large. I, the, your point about staying in character, and I see occasionally there's some guys that stay still stay in character by and large. Mm-hmm. But when you when you develop your TV persona with with components of reality of who you are, then. You you are you're never really out of character, or are you just never in character? You're just you, Austin. If you go to lunch with Steve, he's the same dude. You know him. Yeah. He's the same guy you'd see at at the uh, at the at the arena. Right. Only when he gets in the crowd, in front of the crowd, he's a little louder. He's a little bit more vociferous. He's a little bit more dramatic and and over the top somewhat. But he's the same intensity, the same cadence, the same language, body language, if you're going to order a uh, lunch. Right. He's not screaming and going, you know, oh, hell yeah, I want a cheeseburger. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but he, but he's still got the same. But so then you always think when I see him on TV, he's being real to me because yes. he feels real. Yeah. And, and so now the, the always the elephant in the room about credibility and suspending disbelief is lessened with a character that is a part, their TV persona is a large part of who they actually are, only amplified. Right. Yeah, and I think that that's very important, that you can't feel like somebody is acting like a wrestler, right? 
that's done. Like, yeah, you that, know, you can bring the Attitude Era out of it in terms of the content and the profanity and the girls and stuff like that. But the 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 mentality of we know we're watching a show here. Yeah. But that could be real. Like, that's always, I think, going to be there now. It should be. Yeah. I agree with you. The thing that the boys and girls, the, the athletes, performers, whatever, uh, they are sometimes they can be their own worst enemy by trying to play the role of a pro wrestler mm -hmm. or more specifically trying to play the role of what they perceive a pro wrestler should be. Right. And where the person that they need to be is the same person in the mirror. They see in the mirror, you now make you entertaining. So it's always you, but I got you know TV version of you and I got the, the off the camera version of you, but still you. Right. And you know, the, uh, the guys that, the guys that were able to do that uh, are have long careers. There's a few exceptions. Abdullah Butcher's an exception. He didn't go around, you know, hitting people with forks in the in the deli. But uh, he 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 had us believing so fervently that when he was in character, that he was a wild man from the Sudan when he was a Canadian. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when you, when you look back on your uh, on your career and what you've done. Do you feel like, you know, uh, people who watched on TV, we all feel like JR is, he's the commentator. He's the voice of this thing. Do you look back more fondly on what you did at the commentary table or what you did developing talent? I think that I'll probably be known more for my broadcasting work because it was so uh, dis widely distributed. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the big growth in WWE, I was right there with well, Jerry and I and uh, the King, and, and that one year I worked with, with Heyman mm -hmm. uh, when Lawler was on his sabbatical. Um, I think that will probably be the longest ranging because the network has me doing, the network has my matches. Right. You can find my matches from all kinds of eras, 80s, 90s, sort of, till today. But I, I probably, from a business perspective, Sam, will be most pleased with the fact that I, Vince gave me the opportunity to be in a position to hire good talents or bad talents, mm -hmm. but hire talent and to help our company grow. And we were very fortunate that we did that. But Vince gave me that opportunity to facilitate guys getting a chance. When Rock and I had lunch in, in Davie, Florida, and the tab came for, for black beans and white or yellow rice and grilled chicken, uh, he, didn't, uh, he said, I'd like to buy lunch, but I got seven bucks to my name. Right. And this production company today is called Seven Bucks Entertainment. Mm -hmm. Things like that are I'm really proud of. I don't have a, I don't have any sons, like two daughters. I was the only child, so I look at these guys kind of like an extended family. That's sounding corny here, sure. But they were my players. And Coach Barry Switzer, the Hall of Fame coach, former Oklahoma University and the Cowboys, so said, uh, "Jr., when you recruit these guys, if you're doing it right, you recruit them for life." And I can't tell you how many guys I've loaned a couple of bucks to, or paid for a ticket or something. Uh, and I don't talk about it. I'm not, it's not my business to talk about it, but I do believe you'd recruit them for life. And I think a lot of them are, it's reciprocal to with those guys like, uh, with Steve and those, and, you know, rock and those fellas, uh, taker, Sean, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Hunter, Hunter's too busy with, with his WWE work, but, and he's the other guy to say, well, if you're going to, you going you need to replace, you need a relationship with, with Vince and you need some sort of relationship, obviously with, with Hunter. Yeah. You know, he's, he's more act in the field, more active and, you know, doing a hell of a job. And I don't think people really quite understand what he's accomplishing with 
uh, giving smaller size athletes a chance. It's huge. Yeah, and the females. Yeah, the females. Now, little girls can realistically look at these divas and how lovely and exciting and talented and smart they are, and say, "I want to be that daddy." Without the daddy going like over my dead body, yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and it, yeah, it's it's completely reformed the business. What do you think of uh, of commentary now? I my observation is that the uh, the play by play role, which was what your role was, I think color commentary is still character driven, and I think you know Corey Graves is one of the best to do it. He's amazing, I think. But the the play by play role seems to be Far less personality driven than it was when you were there. Even when Vince, when when Vince McMahon would do play by play, he was a that was that was a big, big. personality behind oh, yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and it seems like the direction now is to not have as much personality in the play by play position. I don't know if it's by design or just simply the talent's strengths. Some of the talents may not have the personality across the board. To, to be that uh, bigger than life thing you described with Vince and, mm-hmm. and me to a certain degree, mm-hmm. that's just our natural personality. I mean, he 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 really Vince probably had more fun doing the commentary than any other phase of the job. <laughs> uh, and and he and Lawler and I, I was a, that was the best three man team I have ever been a part of. Yeah, and it was so much fun because we're right there with the boss, and we're not have, we hardly have anybody in our ear. Counting us in, counting us out, basically. But he's sitting there. He's writing the stories. We know we just follow him. And Lawler and I both were good listeners, kind of a tune. He had his his heel role, and I had my good old boy role. Mm-hmm. And Vince stirred stirred it up. It was great. Now, is is Vince able when he's doing commentary with you guys? Is he able? Obviously, you have your mute buttons and your cough buttons, just like we do here in a radio station. But is he able to like mid show be this wire maneuver, hit the mute button and say, "Jr. I need you to do this." Undo the mute button. Da da da. No, we never got that. We never, okay. you never got that refined. Uh, and thank God it didn't. Right. But no, he 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 respected what Jerry and I did and what we brought to the table mm-hmm. enough that when he became Mister McMahon, he had no issues seamlessly putting Lawler and I together on Raw, and we were there for years. Right. So, uh, but he he did a he he was really. He loved that role. He he had so much fun doing it, and you know he would he could produce to the backstage to the grill position, right? He, you know, or the truck. And he did that. He did, of course, wow. but not during usually during a break. Sure, not during live low and live ammo going on here. But even even have the presence of mind to during the commercial oh, we, break, oh, multitask, switch off, town this thing, go back to the. Remember, he's the guy that said sleep is our enemy. Yeah, it's so, amazing. So he. The more work, if, if he had three minutes to do a little extra work in those commercials, and that's what a lot of people don't understand, they a lot of people just strictly believe that he is Mr. McMahon all the time, mm-hmm. which is kind of silly when you stop and think about it. Mm-hmm. You think he walks to the bathroom like he walks down the aisle when he gets introduced as Mr. McMahon? The that, big power walk yeah, to the bathroom. The Conor McGregor's <laughs> Conor McGregor has copied. He totally has. Yeah. So, uh, but it's just funny how that works, and I, I have so much respect for him and. Uh, and I was, like I said, I was, a, I got fired before twice, I think, uh, believe, uh, and I deserved it. Mm-hmm. I would have put up with my crap. I had a hard head and I was stubborn and I didn't, I was untrusting. It was everything I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. Everything I, I worked hard to overcome and not become again. So, and he had to do what he had to do, but he knew I was a player. He knew I loved working with him and I'd always wanted to be in his company. And I had. 
but I had to, I had to tweak some things personality wise and I did. And now I'm, I'm way over 20 years there, you know, and I'm loving it. You know, I, I don't do a lot of, I don't have a record, regular gig as you know, but you know, if they do a UK show, I'll probably be involved in that. Uh, but you're just happy to be under the umbrella. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I am. Who, if you're out there right now, if you're recruiting, if you're all right, Jim, we want you back the next six months. We want you to be head of talent relations. Who out there in the world that's on your radar in the world of pro wrestling or outside the world of pro wrestling? Are you going, okay, that's a guy that I'm going to bring into the fold? Well, I'm going to certainly try to figure out another way to bring in a, in a creative way with his input, Chris Jericho back at some point, mm-hmm. maybe for a WrestleMania, uh, the, the, not this, not 18, but 19 looking ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to try to get Kenny Omega signed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to find out the, uh, interest from, uh, Kazuchika Okada, because I think he's one of the best in the whole world. Mm-hmm. He's a good-looking young man. He's 29, I think, 6'3 or 4. 6'3, I think. Uh, he's really, really good. I had his three matches with Omega this year on Access TV on the Friday night show yeah. I do for Cubans Network. And uh, so he'd be a guy. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, that's a good question. It's a really good question, Sam. I don't, oh, know, I don't know who I would. Uh, those guys I see a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would certainly... Uh, welcome Cody Rhodes back with open arms. It's I'd amazing w- what he's doing. I'd, yeah, and and the young bucks I'd try to get under contract because I like those kids. I like their entrepreneurial ability. I like the fact that they have a little bit of an attitude. But I, hell, I don't care. Right. They don't have. To, I don't know if they like me or they don't like me. I don't have any idea, and it doesn't matter. It's their prerogative. I like them, and I love their work. Uh, but I I think that they'd be as many shirts they think they're selling out uh, at that topic. What's that place? They Hot topic. Hot topic. Yeah. Get under that WWE umbrella and see how many shirts you sell. You think so? Oh, brother. <laughs> well, it's just the footprint's so much bigger. Yeah, absolutely. So, because uh, Hot Topic's not going to stop buying shirts because they're WWE shirts. No, they got WWE shirts in there already. Bingo. Right. Hello. Yeah. And the, the footprint is huge. So, those are some of the guys. I try to figure out a way if there's one more run in mm-hmm. CM Punk. Yeah. And one more run to me means this, a WrestleMania. Okay. Not 10, not 2, not 3. A, WrestleMania. Start with, let's build to the right build, big time, to the crescendo is WrestleMania. Right. And uh, and the only other way I'd do him is to have him return at WrestleMania and not be on television, sign, train, vignettes, vignettes, little angle, boom. His first match is at WrestleMania. Just do a one, yeah. even if it's a one-shot deal, yeah. and make it, it happen. Well, that way you could kind of, there's no pressure on anybody. Right. We got one. We're going to make this. We're going to do this one chapter of this book, and here's where we're going to start it. Here's where yeah. we're going to end it, and here's what we're going to pay you. If everybody gets on the same page and agreed, boom, let's go. And by the way, I mean we've seen it happen time and time again. You come in, you agree to do one match, and who knows? Oh, you know, I kind of like this. Maybe I should keep doing when I, some when, more stuff. When I talked to Shawn Michaels about coming back to WWE and wrestling, he's been out four years. Right. This is like a 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Attitude Era time. Right. You know, and uh, I I flew from. Stanford or LaGuardia specifically down to San Antonio to visit with him and his lawyer and agent, whatever, uh, nice fella. And I always got along with Sean. I was in the territory in mid South wrestling when Sean was a rookie, when his first booking was in that territory because he was trained by Jose Lothario, who was good buddies with cowboy Bill Watts. So that's how the good old boy network. He got Sean book <laughs> and he was a hell of a hand boy. He traveled the rock and roll express. He had great teaching, tutoring, and an aptitude beyond compare. Uh, but I talked to him about coming back. I said, many people, including myself, consider you one of the top one or two 
performers, in-ring performers of all time, of all time. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there's going to be an entire generation of that don't know you for that. They know you for the guy that lost his smile and the guy that hurt his back and had to go, had to take a four year break. I'm just suggesting that that's not the image legacy you want to leave. You got too much good things going on. And if nothing else, I'd like you to come back and do one match if you can. If not, let's figure a role for you that you can come back. Cause I'd like your influence in the locker room. I'd like for you to be able to share what to do, what not to do and help these young guys who look up to you as their favorite. And so I thought he'd get, we're getting back for one more match, Sam, you know, he had several and, yeah. and all of them were bad ass matches. So he had a TV match with John Cena that was made John Cena a bigger star. Yeah. Two matches with Taker at WrestleMania. I mean, people talk about the second run as if it was better than his first. I'm not, I, I will tell you, I would probably agree with that. I mean, what about the story you did with Jericho? Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the, I mean, up until this Kevin Owens thing, that was the best thing Jericho had ever done. I agree. And I thought his match with, uh, when he came back, Sean's match with Triple H. Yeah. Amazing. What a story. Drama, the ebb, the flow. It's one of those deals where you, when you get through calling it, you realize you sweat through your sport coat. <laughs> so into the thing. Man. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. That's why. I, that's why we always wear darks out there. You know, no pee breaks for three hours on a pay-per-view, and we better wear darks, baby, just in case. <laughs> have you pissed yourself on a show? Yeah. You have? Oh, yeah. Sorry. And you do it on, you're just like, you know what? Because well, I can't concentrate if I have to pee, so it's coming out. Uh, yeah, that's, you have no other option. Right. It's really not a lot of option to it. What's your, if you don't pee, what's your other option? Uh, reverse pee? I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one thing. Do you replace the chair? Uh is that the end of life for that chair? It probably is. Well, I probably let the SmackDown guys use the next night. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of, uh, as a guy who's uh, as familiar as you are with the New Japan product, uh, what do you think of uh, Nakamura and what his role has been in WWE so far? I, I, re I broadcast Wrestle Kingdom 9 uh, live ringside at Tokyo. Yeah, I, 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 watched, I watched the show live, that one. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, I thought that he was most, one of the most fascinating, uh, personalities I had ever seen mm -hmm. in my career. Mm -hmm. And I uh, made, when I got back from that, I got, you know, did the old texting and let the appropriate folks know that I saw a guy that you, you really might want to look at because his influences for his game are, are, were derived from, uh, the, uh, What's the guy's name that's saying it for Queen? Freddie, Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson. And I've never heard of a wrestler saying my influences are Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson. Especially when you're not a strong style wrestler, right? Yeah. And he, and he has that great MMA background. He's yeah. physical. I have, I don't think, I'll just say this because I don't know what the really answer is other than I don't think we've seen the best of Shinsuke Nakamura yet. Mm -hmm. There's much more there. The question is, will it be revealed? or discovered or utilized. I don't know those answers and right. not really anybody does, but I, I find him fascinating. And, uh, but I want to see some of that more physical snug. Absolutely. You talked about the kicks earlier and you're around yep. the money. Kicks are a wonderful innovation because yep. you start and think about it. How many realistic fists can you take to the face without leaving a mark? I find it amazing when a guy gets on top, they get to the outer corner, Irish whip, boom, corner. You run, you mount the top rope, now you're punching him down, right? Ten times, always ten. And he always asks the people, should I hit him again? Ten times. And, and the guy takes a meaningless little little face bump, uh, and he has not one mark on his face. Right. 
Nothing. So you've exposed your own lack of punching ability. <laughs> right, of course. You don't even sell your hand. Uh -huh. So you got these hands of stone that won't break skin. So why do you do that and, and expose the, the rabbit and the hat? So the kicks, like you talked about, they sound better, they look better, and, the, and they can be in the ribs or the, the abdomen or the legs. Yeah. And it looks real. And it is real, by right. the way. It's all in execution. So... Uh, but I, I like the kicks and all that stuff. That's what I I, I, I watched Nakamura because that show, because I was in Los Angeles at the time. That's why I could watch it live because on the East Coast, it just gets too late. But yeah. Los Angeles, at least we get that three hours. Mm -hmm. And I was already a Nakamura fan, but that was the show when I was like, he's it for me. Yeah. And it was because a combination of things. It was the entrance and the pageantry and the crown and the jacket and the whole thing. But then once the bell rang, yeah. it was this other side yes, sir. where it was this dude is a badass this king i believe that that guy can kick anyone's ass and i personally think that the second part is what is not has not really been shown yet yeah it's it's, it's bell to bell right it, uh, we can we can i think identify uh what we perceive to be uh deficiencies in this presentation by simply saying it's really bell to bell is what we're lacking what we want what we know is there we're not getting Right. And I don't know if that's him. I don't know if he's injured. I don't know if that's what they, I don't know what it is, mm -hmm. but I'd love to see him be turned loose. And the way you do that is you put him with a guy. Here, here's the thing. Remember uh, the match a few weeks ago where Nakamura finally squared off with AJ? Yep. And the crowd just murmured, mur mur you know, uh, yep. buzz. Yes. Well, that's your match. Of course, AJ is maybe the best in the world of anybody. I agree with that. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, I think that the uh, the first time they had, were in the ring together at the Money in the Bank match, where it's like the whole building stopped. Yes. Because it was the first, and even people who didn't even know that that's what they wanted became aware that that's what they wanted. I got to call a match or two of theirs in the, uh, in access on Access TV. Uh-huh. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, and I understand, you know... Uh, Kenny Omega, who WWE, I'm sure, would love to sign someday, I would think. Uh, he's a, he's proven to have a, a ability to connect with an audience. He's very talented, fundamentally sound, but he'll want to move there someday because the older you get, you can't wrestle that crazy you know, multiple bump, big bump style sure. per match. And they do a lot of bumps on the apron, which is very dangerous and more jarring. Uh, and I understand their willingness to want to provide entertainment and all that good stuff, but uh, Omega... And Okada had three great matches this year, obviously. I called all three of them uh, at some point with Josh Barnett, but I thought that uh, I thought that the uh, Nakamura-AJ matches that I called were right there with them. Yeah. And I thought that the, all the way back to 89, and Ric Flair and Ricky Steenville had three in 89 were right there with them. So It's amazing. It's, it's so subjective, right? It, yeah, it is. It is, but but some of this stuff, like, you look at and you know when it's there. Real quick, on the way out, because we only got about another minute or so, I don't, don't even think I need to ask, but did you watch the uh, TakeOver War Games pay-per-view? Yeah, I did. I didn't. What was the, what was the standout for you? Oh, uh, let me see. Well, I was all hyped for the uh, uh, Galloway match until he got hurt. Yeah. Because I like him. Yeah. He's a big star. He'll be, he'll come back better than ever, and he'll be a big star. I, the, 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 my highlight of my – it wasn't the War Games match. Mm -hmm. Tell me another match on there because I'm, I'm, I'm waking up. I think that the, the highlight is the Aleister Black Velveteen Dream Without a doubt. Yes, match. sir. That, yeah. Vel, Velveteen Dream is the kid that I helped – I mentored a little bit in Maryland Championship Wrestling. 
He's a big star in the making. And Aleister Black is as well. Hey, the covers are not bare in WWE. The future is very bright for those guys, in my opinion. Well, if you want to hear uh, everything about this man's career, everything you knew, everything you didn't know, then pick up Slobberknocker if you haven't already. It's in its fourth printing. Let's get it into its fifth printing, I say. Uh, it's, it's, it's everything. It's everything you wanted to know uh, and a little more about uh, good old JR. Always appreciate talking to you, man. Thanks, uh, Sam. You're one of the best. I'm happy for you, buddy. I, 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 you're one of the main reasons I watched the uh, pregame, postgame, but that match with the Rosenberg. <laughs> and, and, and he'll be the heel. He's got to be, right? Oh, of course. I mean, he's a he, natural. He's so easy to dislike. <laughs> I find so, too. <laughs> Thanks, man. You bet. Here is Sam Roberts. Always insightful, good old JR. It is so good to have him on the podcast. There's very few guys that you could get that are better for a wrestling podcast than Jim Ross. I love that interview because not only do we get some insight into his thoughts behind uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and what he's doing in WWE, because you forget not only can JR give you the perspective of Shinsuke as a WWE superstar, but he's seen Shinsuke in New Japan. JR is as familiar with the New Japan product as most people could expect anyone to be, right? So I love that take. Uh, I loved his, his, his takes on, on Matt Hardy and what is going to make the Woken character work because I think he's right. I think it's one of those scenarios where the guy's got to take it in his own hands, and I think that's exactly what he's doing, by the way, because so far it it works to a T, in my personal and humble opinion. But for me, one of the most interesting parts of the interview was listening to JR talk about kind of what it takes to survive in WWE, what, what in terms of, of, of attitude, in terms of what type of person you should be. You know, I think that that... that and I don't know if that's because we're such hardcore wrestling fans, but I think that's the stuff that is that is fascinating to me, and maybe because it helps me. You know what I mean? But but I think that 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 to me just 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 figuring out because I I think people listen to these interviews, and I know that I listen to these interviews that when other people do them, uh, and because they want to piece together what the world is like. That's how obsessed we are with this world of, of sports entertainment and pro wrestling. We want to piece together what it's like. And one of the ways that it helps us to do that is to listen to guys like JR, who have been there for years, who have seen it in every facet, who have seen people succeed, who have seen people fail, and say, hey, this is the life. This is, and this is the way you need to handle yourself within the life. And it's not crazy. And it's not sort of like a weird jumping through hoop stuff. It's just these are the people who will probably succeed the most. And I just think that that's, uh, that's really, really interesting. Speaking of being in WWE, I will be back this Sunday night. 7 p.m. Eastern is the time that the kickoff show goes down live for Clash of the Champions. I'll be back. It's on the WWE Network. It's on the WWE's YouTube channel. Uh, and I will be there on the panel breaking down everything that we can expect to see at Clash of Champions. And if you want a preview of what kind of takes I'm going to have on the show, then you're going to want to listen to State of Wrestling this week because we'll break down Clash of Champions there as well. And, you know, I, I think that uh, I actually think, and I may be accused of being a shill for this, but the SmackDown's actually done a pretty good job with the build for Clash of Champions. You know, on paper, I don't know how exciting it was. You've got... Jinder Mahal versus AJ Styles that, that kind of seems like we've seen it. And you've got championship matches, all of which are multi-person matches. 
And it's almost like, okay, we're just getting everybody on the card. But they've figured out a way to, number one, make the main event extremely compelling, the tag match that I'm talking about. Uh, Number two, well, I'm going to get into all of it. I'm going to get into why, after this week's SmackDown, I am officially very interested in most of the matches on this Clash of Champions show. And on paper, I don't know that I would have been. But in execution and in storytelling, I have found myself interested. I want to know what goes down this Sunday night. And that's all you can expect, right? That's all you can ask for in the lead towards uh, a WWE pay-per-view. It's the last pay-per-view before the Royal Rumble. So, you know, it is, uh, it's it's important. It's something. It's It's definitely... The last pay-per-view before the Royal Rumble, you know, people have been asking me about who I think is going to win the Royal Rumble, and I don't know yet. We're too far away. You know, the the, the dust has not cleared enough to kind of uh, uh, make that clear to me. We'll go over it definitely, maybe in the New Year's show or something like that. But after Clash of Champions, that picture is going to start looking a lot, a lot clearer. By the way, you still have time. Get yourself... Uh, a t-shirt, get a, a t-shirt for somebody for a holiday gift, go to notsam.com slash merch and check out all the t-shirts available uh, for Sam Roberts, whether it's the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt, the Sam Roberts 8-bit t-shirt, the Sam Roberts Action Figure t-shirt, they're all available over at notsam.com slash merch, and I'd recommend doing it quickly, getting a shirt quickly to try to make sure that you get Christmas uh, shipping. It's done through Pro Wrestling Tees, so you'd have to ask them. But even if you don't get Christmas shipping, even if it takes you a week before you place the order, place the order anyway, print out the order form, put it in a box, and say, look, I was a little slow in getting you a gift, but guess what? It's coming. You're going to get it anyway. That's exciting, right? And then the person that you're buying for after Christmas, goes, oh, all the gifts are open, but I still got that Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt coming. I still got that Not Sam t-shirt. It's still it's still coming in the mail for me. Ooh, this is an exciting time of year. I'm ready. I'm pumped. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's State of Wrestling time. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Welcome to the State of Wrestling, ladies and gentlemen. As we have come to do over the past several weeks, of course, we do Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast uh, straight out of the Not Sam studio. And since I'm recording out of the Not Sam studio anyway, and uh, we are a multimedia studio, we do State of Wrestling live on Facebook these days. So if you want to get to hear State of Wrestling uh, a day or 12 hours or so early, if you want to get to see it, the whole thing live on video. If you want to comment on the Facebook page and maybe be a part of the state of wrestling, make sure that you like me on Facebook, not in real life, but on Facebook, facebook.com slash not Sam, uh, hit the like button. And that way you'll get notified when I go live because every Wednesday at some point in the afternoon, uh, we will do this. We will do state of wrestling and it will be glorious. I was, speaking of glorious, I was watching uh, on WWE Network on like uh, Friday or over the weekend. They had uploaded, they've now uploaded all the old NXT shows on the WWE Network. And I don't mean the stuff, just the stuff that was on Hulu. Like the, uh, uh, you know, the, the NXT before NXT was big. When like, you know, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose were all there. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the early days of Enzo Amore. I mean the OG episodes of NXT when Florida Championship Wrestling was still the developmental territory and NXT 
was the hybrid wrestling and reality show the WWE put on the Sci-Fi Network to replace WWE CW. And it is amazing to watch because there's just nothing like it in WWE anymore, especially as the seasons go on. Like you get into like season three where it's all women. And like, you know, you look at these seasons of NXT and it's full of stars. The success rate from the NXT TV show that is universally panned, like it's just an awful show that nobody cared about, is so much better than Tough Enough, right? The success rate from these old NXT shows, like you turn on the NXT women's season and you got Maxine who went on to Lucha Underground, AJ Lee who would still be wrestling if she wanted to, Caitlyn who would still be wrestling if she wanted to, Naomi, you've got uh, Oksana who seems like she was the character basis for Lana. You've got all, like, and that's just, that's the season that, that really went against everything. But you've also got coming from this NXT TV show, you got Titus O'Neil, you've got Daniel Bryan, you've got Wade Barrett, you've got Ryback, you've got all these people. I mean, there's no, you got Heath Slater. Nobody is, you're not sitting there, there's very few people. There's a handful of them, but there's very few people where you're watching going, I wonder what happened to that guy. So it's really cool to see, and it's amazing to see a show that uh, they, they just stopped kind of, caring about that like Michael Cole and Josh Matthews are just sitting at the commentary table completely trashing the show as they go it's as if nobody's watching it but it was on television and even when it wasn't on television they moved it over to Hulu like there were viewers there were people watching and now they've uploaded it all to the WWE network I never thought I never thought that this show would be uploaded onto the WWE network just because I kind of thought that the WWE would uh, not claim ownership of it but I'm so glad they did because it's, it's amazing. It's like you're watching, some of it is like really good. Some of it is like before they were stars and a lot of it is like complete train wreck, right? And it's just, it's so much fun to watch it. So if you get some time off over the holidays and you just want to watch, like for me, like I like, I like spending time watching bad wrestling the first thing when the wwe network first came out the first thing that i watched on the wwe network was wcw sin the pay-per-view from 2001 because i just love watching stuff and going like i can't believe this is a thing i can't believe that this was made this is ridiculous and so i'm 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 super happy that those uh nxt episodes are on the network what I'm really waiting for in the network, and this doesn't fit into my category because I like good stuff too. This doesn't fit into my category of bad wrestling. But what I'm really looking forward to is when WWF Superstars and WWF Wrestling Challenge is up. Like they haven't added any of the syndicated shows that were around when my generation was growing up. The late 80s and the early to mid 90s. You know, we'd wake up and every Saturday at noon, WWF Superstars would be on. Every Sunday at noon, WWF Wrestling Challenge would be on. All-American Wrestling would be on USA. They've got old episodes of Primetime Wrestling, but I didn't even watch that that much because I was a kid, so I wasn't staying up late on Monday nights to watch wrestling until Raw came out in 93. But I would love it. Like, 91, 90, 92, if they uploaded full seasons of WWF Superstars, WWF Wrestling Challenge, if they gave us some of the old All-American episodes, that's what I've been waiting for ever since the network came out. I see somebody on, uh, uh, Travis on, on Facebook, 
once Shotgun Saturday Night. I would love, especially those first few when they actually did them in a nightclub. Those were great. There's all those shows, right? WWF Metal. Remember Velocity? There's a ton of shows that were like just trash shows, but some of the stuff that's happening on them is really, really cool. Uh, I see uh, somebody's asking, Dave is saying, I want WCW Thunder, baby. Yeah, put WCW Thunder on. So if you've got any anything that you want the WWE Network to put on, I'd love to hear it. Tweet me at not Sam. But I, I, to me, it doesn't get any better than Superstars and Challenge. I jacked. I see Sam Banks in the chat again. Jacked. Sunday Night Heat. I'm actually surprised that Sunday Night Heat hasn't been uploaded to the network because Sunday Night Heat was actually good TV. In the beginning, especially. Like Sunday Night Heat, they aired it on MTV Sunday at 7 p.m. It was not a throwaway show, especially in the beginning. And a lot of those Sunday Night Heat shows, the ones that would air before pay-per-views, they'd have major angles happening on Heat. So it's surprising to me that the Sunday Night Heat shows have not been uploaded. I don't know. I, 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 there must be some kind of thinking, like a certain amount of content from this era, a certain amount of content from that era. I would think that there has to be. But uh, I don't know... I don't know what it is because I can't, I the, look, there's tons of content. That's what's great about the WWE network that they can upload hundreds of hours at a time. And there's still shows that we're sitting here going, what happened to this show? What happened to that show? If you could have one program from this world uploaded onto the WWE network in its entirety, what would it be for me? I would pick WWF superstars right now. I would also love like uh, the old WCW shows, WCW Saturday night, WCW main event on Sundays, even the uh, the the Sunday morning show that was that they did at uh, at Disney MGM with the spinning ring, all that stuff. There's so much good stuff on those shows. It says uh, Cody says Heat and WCW Saturday night were supposed to be this month. Is that right? I would love that. I would love to see that happening. Um, but what is happening on the WWE Network is Clash of the Champions. It's going down this Sunday, uh, and I will be there in Boston. I will be part of the kickoff show uh, uh, there on the panel, and I'm very, very excited for it because I've I've really enjoyed the lead-up to this show. On paper, I think Clash of Champions at first was going like, uh, mm, that's what it was. It was kind of a, eh. But as things have gone, I left SmackDown last night excited. I left SmackDown last night uh, uh, psyched about about this, this pay-per-view. And I, I, actually, I was excited last week too, and we talked about that. I think that the, the Nakamura, Randy Orton versus Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens match with Shane McMahon and now also Daniel Bryan as co-referees, that match has so much story and is so clearly leading to something, I couldn't be more excited for it. That match to me, if you remember, you know, a month or so ago, maybe a month and a half, probably about a month, Wade Keller and I were on each other's podcast and we were talking about the build-up to Survivor Series and we were talking about Shane McMahon coming in and invading Raw without Daniel Bryan and how Shane McMahon was doing things that made him less than sympathetic. And I was saying that maybe this is the beginning of some kind of Shane McMahon heel turn. Well, and 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 this is, I love long-term storytelling. I love the long play. And 
the SmackDown has effectively, since the beginning of November, slowly built tension, whether you like everything that's happened or not. Because some people, they don't like, you know, they didn't like all that, especially the brand wars thing. And I can fully understand that's a whole separate conversation. But whether you like all the elements that happened, you have to admit, looking at it today, there has been a masterful telling of a story of tension building between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon and two guys that want to work together and Daniel Bryan realizing, okay, he is my boss and Shane McMahon, like, Shane wants to be the cool boss. He wants to be the fair boss. But at the same time, he still has that McMahon thing in him where he acts like the boss. Like he has those moments where he gives Daniel Bryan that look where he goes, whether you like it or not, I'm the boss. But he doesn't want to say that because he's the cool McMahon. I love that. And I think it's being done so effectively because you're feeling it. And we are now walking into this pay-per-view going, something has got to give between Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan. There is something going on there. They would lead you to believe if you were listening to the commentary last night on SmackDown that Daniel Bryan was doing, or Tuesday night on SmackDown, that Daniel Bryan was doing, especially next to Byron Saxton. It was really, really interesting because Corey Graves was taking the side of Daniel Bryan and Byron Saxton was opposing Daniel Bryan. Now, Corey Graves is in a unique position because there was a time when if that interaction were to happen, it would be clear that Daniel Bryan was a bad guy because the bad guy commentator was taking his side. But Corey Graves isn't necessarily a bad guy commentator. He's a color commentator. But Corey Graves does not like Enzo Amore, who's a bad guy. Corey Graves likes Bobby Roode, who's a good guy. You know, there, the, Corey Graves is not the traditional bad guy announcer. Corey Graves likes who Corey Graves likes. Corey Graves doesn't like who Corey Graves doesn't like. And... Corey Graves is going to argue with Byron Saxton about everything, right? Corey Graves is going to, is going to argue with that dude no matter what. So, you know, that's not necessarily Daniel Bryan becoming a bad guy. And I thought it was great and by design that Daniel Bryan counts the one, two, three for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn because, and this goes back to Survivor Series. Nobody can sit there and say, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are not a destructive influence to the SmackDown roster the way they cost them. And we're talking storyline, of course, the way they cost them at Survivor Series, the way they put themselves above the SmackDown roster. So Shane McMahon's beef with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn is righteous. Kevin Owens' beef with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens uh, is, is, is just. He is trying to run a show, and Kevin Owens and Sammy are trying to destroy it. Keep in mind, this union came together when Sami Zayn stopped Shane McMahon from hitting Kevin Owens by leaping off the Hell in a Cell. At the same time, and we talked about this with Wade Keller, Sami Zayn's reasons for joining Kevin Owens and becoming this cocky bad guy that he has, which he's, he's doing amazingly at, are right. Shane McMahon didn't take him seriously. Good guy Sami Zayn, and you can listen to him on, on, on this podcast. I believe I put the interview here on the podcast. We talked about the character and the way it's portrayed. Good guy Sami Zayn was portrayed as kind of a wiener. He was portrayed as a guy who was annoying, that people rolled their eyes at when he got enthusiastic. Now, 
Nobody's rolling their eyes at him. And so Sami Zayn's justified in feeling the way that he feels. So we sit there and I love, I, I, I loved, I love when Daniel Bryan's behind a microphone because he just, whether he's supposed to or whether it's just the only option with him, he's as real as it gets. And he's saying he always finds a way. He never destroys a story, but he always makes it realistic. He's one of the few guys that makes every story that he's a part of realistic. And he comes at you with legitimate logic, right? Like you, if you want to stay in character around Daniel Bryan, you really have to be on your toes because Daniel Bryan doesn't give you an ounce. Daniel Bryan will not give your character any slack if you say something that doesn't make sense in the world of your character. Now, Daniel Bryan's past is not a mystery. Daniel Bryan's past is not erased or faked. We all know, and part of the yes movement and part of the the fans getting behind Daniel Bryan was all about Daniel and what he had done before he got to WWE, why the fans were so behind him, not just for the stuff he had done in WWE, but the stuff he had done before. And for Byron Saxton to come out on SmackDown and kind of put that all down is not not that cool, right? Like, I was mad for Daniel Bryan. I took Daniel Bryan's side in that argument. And I don't know if that's because, look, I sat in the Hammerstein ballroom. As much as I'm as big a WWE guy as you're going to get, I sat in the Hammerstein ballroom and watched Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Daniel Bryan wrestle for Ring of Honor. You know, I w- I'm the guy who sits there watching that show going, oh my God, I can't believe Shinsuke Nakamura and Kevin Steen are wrestling in a SmackDown ring right now. Like, I'm that guy. I think that all of the stuff they did in WWE before they got here to WWE uh, counts. All the stuff they did before counts. And... Uh, and, and, and I think that it, it has to. I mean, like, let's be honest, save for Sami Zayn, Nakamura, Daniel Bryan, uh, 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 Kevin Owens, they all are pretty much just uh, 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 evolutions of what they were doing outside of WWE. They haven't changed. Kevin Owens changed his last name, but he looks exactly the same, right? So, um, so, so I think that there is this logic to it. And you could sit there and say, well, you've got this click, right? Well, Daniel Bryan did travel the world with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. But I really like, I don't know, because the problem here is that Nakamura is in the same group as Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Daniel Bryan, right? Not not that he's a Ring of Honor dude. You know, they did not, they didn't travel the roads together necessarily, but he's one of these guys that has major accomplishments outside of WWE, the same can't be said for Randy Orton and, of course, Shane McMahon. You know, Randy Orton has accomplished amazing things inside WWE. Randy Orton has accomplished more than any of those guys have by a mile inside WWE, and Shane McMahon is a McMahon. So I just think it's going to be very, very interesting. I don't think Daniel Bryan is going to turn heel. I felt watching SmackDown, like all this talk about Daniel Bryan taking Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn's side was a bit of a red herring. I would not be at all surprised to see Shane McMahon turn heel at the show on Sunday at Clash of the Champions. And he might he might do it. We, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a twist where Shane McMahon actually joined forces with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. 
I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked to see it. Now, the big question here is regardless of how how this plays out, we're looking at tension between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon to be palatable or maybe palpable. That's the word coming off of Clash of Champions. Palpable coming off of Clash of Champions. So, where does that lead? Why, why is the build happening between Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan? Because this isn't like when there was the tension between The Miz and Daniel Bryan. Because the tension between The Miz and Daniel Bryan, we all knew Daniel Bryan wasn't ever going to wrestle The Miz, and that's because there were other storylines going on simultaneously. You know, there was a little bit on SmackDown, but that was almost exclusively a talking smack beef. There was a little bit that was on the SmackDown show, but The Miz was always occupied with other stuff, and Daniel Bryan was kind of a thorn in his side. And Daniel Bryan was always occupied with other stuff, and The Miz was kind of a thorn in his side. We're now looking at a scenario where Daniel Bryan, the tension between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon is the underlining factor of the episode. It's the biggest story on SmackDown right now. So where are we left after Clash of Champions? The problem with Daniel Bryan is that everybody wants to see him in a WWE ring again. And I don't know if it's a wise investment to build up tension between Daniel Bryan and anyone if you're not going to be able to have payoff in the ring, if you're not going to be able to eventually have a Daniel Bryan-Shane McMahon match. Daniel Bryan is still one of, if not the most beloved superstars on the roster. If he gets back in that ring, he's the most popular guy on the show. But all signs point to him not getting back in the ring. Unless the Shane McMahon thing is the 20% that we were talking about with Daniel a few weeks ago on this podcast. Is the match with Shane McMahon the 20% chance that he could be back in a WWE ring? I don't know. I don't know. I, at this moment, am not going to sit here and say, Daniel Bryan won't wrestle Shane. Because for the life of me, I don't understand why this tension is building if it's not ultimately to have a match between those two. As much as it's not supposed to happen, I mean, I, and I, I would even be happy if it was a tag match, you know? If you ended up in a scenario where whoever it is, it could be Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Shane McMahon on a team against Randy Orton, Nakamura, and Daniel Bryan. That could happen in order to protect Daniel Bryan a little bit, maybe. I'd be okay with that. That'd still be a big deal. Honestly, I'd rather see Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Daniel Bryan as a team just because of their history, but let's let's really be honest. If you put Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Daniel Bryan on a team together to wrestle a match, not one person is booing them. They're the most popular team in the world. They're bigger than The Shield. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Daniel Bryan, with a returning Daniel Bryan, that's a bigger team than The Shield. They will get no boos. Zero boos. I'd have no boos. You know, they'd be like they'd be like a like a, a ritzy sushi place in New York City. No boo. Okay, understand. So I don't see that happening because Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are probably more valuable to SmackDown right now as bad guys. But I just it's it's such a mystery, and and I think that that's why I'm so uh, excited. Uh, one person in Facebook says, "When is Brian's contract up? Could uh, he potentially be available for the All In Bullet Club show next year?" Yeah, for sure. I think his contract is up uh, early next year um and maybe 
Maybe WWE is just trying to flirt with the idea of Daniel Bryan wrestling again to keep him on board. I don't know. I don't know. But if they want to keep Daniel Bryan on board, he's going to have to wrestle because the dude's wrestling somewhere. The dude is wrestling somewhere. Dale says he heard uh, Daniel Bryan's contract is up in 2018. So have I. So have I. Uh, Devin says, want to protect Daniel as a good guy? Utter one simple line. The enemy of my enemy is my friend and simply declare war against Shane. Um... The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, but see, the problem there is that if you decide the enemy of your enemy is your friend and you're declaring war on Shane by siding with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, you're not You're not going to keep Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens as bad guys and Daniel Bryan as a good guy. It's not going to happen if they're working together. It won't happen. You know, you that, that, that philosophy won't work because people will like that Daniel Bryan is going after Shane McMahon. And then they will cheer for whoever also goes after Shane McMahon. I think if if Shane McMahon... Because logically, if you pay attention to the story that's been told since November, Shane McMahon is not the good guy. Logically, if you, if you pay attention to that story, at no point is Shane McMahon a good guy. You understand his motives? He's working for SmackDown, but he's working selfishly and he's not collaborating and he's not allowing Daniel Bryan to be the general manager of the show. He it's his fault that Daniel Bryan got beat up by Kane in a dressing room with the lights off. That's Shane McMahon's fault. Shane McMahon it's it, it, Shane McMahon's you could say this. The rivalry that Shane McMahon created with his own superstars Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens is what cost them the Survivor Series match. That rivalry made it so that SmackDown lost the Survivor Series match. And that's the ultimate crime, isn't it? And now you've got Shane McMahon who's so obsessed with a personal rivalry, with a personal dislike for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens that he's put business aside and is trying to fire them even though they're good for the show. Daniel Bryan's point of view is, hey, I don't agree with everything they've done. But for business, we have to keep them here. That's why there's there's nothing bad guy about what Daniel Bryan is doing and only bad guy about what Shane McMahon is doing. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays itself out on the show. Dan Johnson says, Lex Luger looked like the bad guy too, but look what Tatanka did to him. Tatanka sold out for the Bucks. I think Shane McMahon is your Tatanka here. Lex Luger was the red herring. Daniel Bryan is the new red herring. This is Tatanka Lex Luger all over again. And Tatanka versus Lex Luger went down in history as one of the great rivalries in WWE. So we only expect amazing, amazing things. You got your championship match at the pay-per-view, AJ Styles versus Jinder Mahal. Um, I'm, I would imagine the Singh brothers will be back with Jinder. Uh, I think it'll be a good match. Uh, I, we can all only hope that AJ retains the championship. I, I, again, I don't have anything bad to say about Jinder Mahal. I don't have, uh, I, I think that he's, you, if you want to get motivated by somebody, pay attention to the Jinder Mahal story. Pay attention to a guy who got a job, his dream job, and then was given nothing. He was, he was given the three-man band, right? And then gets fired just because, yeah, we don't really, I don't know, meh. Because, meh, because we don't have anything. Not because you did anything wrong, not because your work sucked, not because of anything except, hey, yeah, we just couldn't think of anything. So, you, yeah, yeah, we're not, you're gone. You're gone, Ski. He comes back. Jabroni. 
Jabroni City, baby. He's losing on Raw every week. But if you pay attention to him, he's getting better. He's, he's getting better in the ring. He's going, working his body like crazy to become a physical specimen, right? He clearly is 100% dedicated to WWE and being better and better and better. And he goes forward and he becomes the WWE champion. And as much as, as people were haters about it, hatters, and they should have been, right? I, I, I'm not mad at people because a lot of his championship reign did not work as well as it should have. But all that said... There's been worse champions than Jinder Mahal. And, you know, I think that for a guy to take the the journey that he's taken so far is really, really good. And to hear all the people that have kind of taken a big crap on his championship reign, and he is still busting ass to get better and better and better. And every week his promos get better, and he has better matches. You know, I, I think that the Jinder Mahal thing, you've got to give him credit. All that said, AJ Styles is the best wrestler in the world right now. Number one, I know Roman Reigns said he was. AJ Styles is the best wrestler in the world. In 2017, going into 2018, AJ Styles is number one by a mile. So, I think logic dictates that he should be the guy who's got the championship. You know, and I think that AJ should hold that championship through the Royal Rumble, and bring that championship into WrestleMania for a big match. And we'll talk about the WrestleMania match and the Royal Rumble later. Is it going to be Shinsuke? And that's the other thing. Like, I think Shinsuke Nakamura has looked awesome leading into this tag match at Clash of Champions. I think uh, the match with Kevin Owens was awesome. I think that the run-in that he did uh, two weeks ago on SmackDown was was great, and it was exciting, and it was like, yeah, this guy is, is main event quality. Uh, and I think saying one word for the promo on SmackDown is perfect. So coming off a of Clash of Champions, if Jinder Mahal looks like a million, I mean, if 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 Nakamura looks like a million bucks, then maybe, yeah, maybe we can build this guy towards WrestleMania, but that's something that we'll have to talk about then at that point. John says uh, AJ Styles is a modern-day HBK in the ring. He can do it all. He can do it all, and he's 40. He's like 39 or 40 years old, and he's just hitting his peak. He's a freak of nature, and he's absolutely incredible, okay? Incredible. He's like a modern-day Shawn Michaels, but he's like Shawn Michaels was when Shawn was 30. That's how good AJ is. AJ is 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 amazing. He's got, like, the physicality of a 30-year-old in the sense that he can do anything, but he's got the mind of somebody that's been in the business for 25 years. So he can work anybody, work any match, and convey any story. And I like the stuff he was doing with the Singh brothers. Headbutt looked real to me, too. So I thought that was cool. So there is something in that match. Uh, as far as the U.S. championship match goes, uh, I think that I personally, as much as I think Baron Corbin should have the U.S. title, I don't think that the U.S. title has done more for Baron Corbin with this title reign than he has been able to do for himself. You know, I think that he's still on the precipice of doing as well as he can do because I'm a big Baron Corbin fan. And I think he's 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 right there in terms of almost he's there's this like invisible hump that he's got to get over to be the guy that he's going to be. But the the championship is not getting him there. He's gonna get himself there eventually on his own, without a championship, without a partner, without any of this stuff. He'll get there. I'm I'm quite certain that he'll get there. But the championship is not he doesn't need it. Bobby Roode badly needs the United States Championship. Clash of Champions really needs to be Bobby Roode's coming out party. 
it needs to be the moment that we go, okay, Bobby Roode is on the road to something. Because right now, what's he really done on SmackDown that's been glorious? On SmackDown. In NXT, lots of glorious stuff. But we're still waiting for some truly glorious moments on SmackDown. And I think that has to happen at the pay-per-view. And I think he has to get the United States Championship. You know, I, I, I think that anybody, anybody looking at it objectively, I don't know how you could not not agree with that. Uh, Brian on Facebook is asking, is Jinder Hurt losing to Triple H after such an investment into him? No, because, you know, I, I think that the internet found out about it, but we didn't see the footage of it. And also it's it's Triple H. I'm not 100% sure why Triple H won in India. Um, I guess it's that rule. It's that hometown rule. Everybody loses in their hometown. But no, I don't think I don't think it hurts Jinder Mahal whatsoever. I mean, it's, it's, it's Triple H. Um, I see that agreed. Bobby Roode seems to be floundering a bit. Yeah. And I think that with the United States championship, he's nowhere near ready for a shot at the, at the WWE championship at all. But I think Bobby Roode is the United States championship as the United States champion has a great ring to it. I think it could be cool. The lumber Joe match. It's going to be cool to see all the women around the ring. You know, I don't see Charlotte losing the title and I just, I wish the, to me, what went on with the Riot Squad on SmackDown was the same thing that happened with Absolution on Raw, except the Riot Squad, it was on the SmackDown stage, and Absolution, it was in the Raw ring. So I still need more separation between those two groups before I'm fully on board, on board. The Bludgeon Brothers are getting there. Well, no, you know what? Let me save the Bludgeon Brothers conversation. Um, you've got Zack Ryder and Mojo Raleigh on the, on the kickoff show. Uh, I would imagine Mojo Raleigh will win the match because... That's the story that's being told. You know, Mojo Raleigh is a bad guy. Um, I think that that's going to be explored a little bit. Um, and of course, a match that people are talking about in the Facebook chat right now is Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Championship. The Usos, to me, the, the I, I'd say the Usos are the tag team of 2017. The Usos versus The New Day versus Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable, who, you know... A lot of potential there, but still not quite. And Rusev Day. Rusev and Aiden English. And you talk about the sweetheart Cinderella story. Rusev and Aiden English. Is there anything better than Rusev Day? I don't think so. It's 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 amazing, and it's so great to see them win matches on SmackDown. To watch them beat the New Day and the Usos, it's like, okay, we're getting behind somebody. Rusev needs this. Aiden English needs this. It works every time. I get excited when I see them on TV. I, you know, and I, and I think fans are reacting. And they're legit bad guys. They feel like old school, real bad guys. You know, and, and, and they're not, and, and they're funny, obviously. They're comical, but they're entertaining. And they still do their matches work. You don't, you're not rolling your eyes when they win. You're like, yeah, you know? So I, I think uh, uh, I think it's cool. Dino is asking if New Day are going to have a heel turn because they seem buddy-buddy with the Usos. No, I think the Usos are floating out of that heel territory a little bit. I think if anything happens with the New Day, I think in 2018 the New Day is going to split up. I think somebody in the New Day is going to turn heel in 2018. I think that we, we, are, we are on that other end of the New Day in the sense that it just doesn't feel like there's a huge investment in them as a team right now as much as there is in new teams. And I think that the, I I personally believe that the New Day will split up in 2018. 
Um, Sam is saying, I don't understand why Lana and Rusev are on the same brand, but not together and no explanation for it. I think that that they've realized that Rusev doesn't need that mouthpiece because Lana works as the mouthpiece for a powerhouse. And Rusev has taken a, 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 the route that is more entertaining and comical, you know, and it's, and it's done him a great service. So I think they're using Lana's skill set to get over Tamina because she's like a, a female Rusev in the sense that she's this silent powerhouse. Um, I just saw one. Yeah, that's what I think, Chris. I think uh, uh, Big E is going to be the one in New Day that turns heel. And it'll, I, I wonder, I think, I think if when, even when Big E turns heel, he's going to need a new outfit. I think he's going to need like, uh, whether it's full pants or something. I don't think he's going to be able to wear that singlet because the singlet is going to make everybody think about twerking and he's not going to be able to twerk if he's a heel. You know, when you see, when you saw Big E on SmackDown, you almost forget how strong this dude is. When he was wearing the apron and those, his arms and his chest, you forget how big and strong this dude is. And I think that in 2018, Big E is going to turn heel and he's going to be more of the five count guy that we saw as NXT champion than the goofy twerking New Day guy. I think he's going to be a powerhouse uh, bad guy. And maybe we'll still see Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston together. Who knows? But I do think, you know, and it's going to be a risky move. I think the New Day breaks up uh, in 2018. Uh, who else is, uh, and of course you've got, let's get into it, Breezango and the Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, uh, two on two. You know, good for everybody. It gets people on TV. The Bludgeon Brothers are growing on me. I said last week that it was like, I liked them in the ring, but the gimmick was a little too cartoony. And there's still something to that, but I like watching them tear apart people in the ring. I'm, I'm The Bludgeon Brothers, I, I take back a lot of what I said last week. They're really, really growing on me. And if you want lessons on how to make the most of your TV time, right? That's what people talk about. Make the most of what you're given. And this is just a life lesson. This isn't just for people who get on TV. This is... This is a life lesson, right? Whatever you're given, whatever opportunity is, is given to you, make the absolute most of it. And that's exactly what Screaming Guy on SmackDown did this week. Screaming Guy on SmackDown. Ah! Going up for the powerbomb and down. Now, Screaming Guy is Juan Francisco de Coronado from Chikara. But I like knowing him better as Screaming Guy. And it's really, really interesting. He got himself over on TV. He was given 30 seconds and he got himself over. He was two shots. He, he, he made the weird facial expression when the Bludgeon Brothers were coming out as if to say like, oh my God, I have to wrestle the Bludgeon Brothers. And it's like a cartoon. And he did that screaming noise. He got himself over. He made it about him. And I think that everybody got a kick out of it. I see Lawrence in the chat going, that was awesome. Everybody loved it. Loved it. Luke Harper is great all the time. He is great all the time. But so is that screaming guy. And it's really interesting because the story was Colin Delaney is back on WWE TV, right? Colin Delaney from the old ECW is back on WWE TV. But what are fans talking about? I, I, was, I was curious about Colin Delaney. And uh, I, I thought that it was, it was great that he's back on TV, right? But at the end of the day, I wanted to see an interview with the screaming guy. I wanted to, I wanted to get an update on him. I wanted to check his medical status. Uh, that's what I wanted to see. So uh, that's the lesson. That's the takeaway. That's the go home. 
Make the most of what you're given. Ah! Smash. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. So speaking of uh, big shows, it's a big, it's a big weekend. Ellsworth got himself over and made a year-plus run out of it. That's exactly right. And, you know, people were sitting there going like, I hope Colin Delaney is the next James Ellsworth. I don't know if there's going to be a next James Ellsworth anytime soon just because it was just done. But I would like to see Colin Delaney become a James Ellsworth too because we've seen him before. But honestly, if we didn't know who Colin Delaney was from 10 years ago, Screaming Guy is the next James Ellsworth. Screaming Guy is the one that stole the segment. I'd be hot if I was Colin Delaney. He stole his glory. What are you screaming like that for? Everybody's talking about you now. Damn it. Um, so uh, 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 the other news uh, this weekend, big weekend for wrestling, is, of course, Ring of Honor Final Battle. It goes down Friday. By the time you hear this, it might be coming. might be happening tonight. It might have already happened. But you've got uh, Cody Rhodes and Dalton Castle, which I love seeing Dalton Castle in that spot. I'm, I'm, I'm a big Dalton Castle supporter. Marty Skrull versus uh, Jay Lethal. Which is uh, which is a, uh, a a dream match, I think. Uh, Motor City Machine Guns versus Beretta and Chuck Taylor, great match. And of course, the big uh, 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 ECW reunion: Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer versus the Briscoes in a New York City uh, street fight. I'm anxious. I'll, I, I I'm gonna. I think I may try to get to the Manhattan Center for it. If not, I'm definitely gonna watch it on pay per view. But I think I'm gonna try to get to the Manhattan Center because. Ring of Honor always puts on these great live shows. It's so fun to see that group live. So uh, I'm uh, I'm pumped for it. Maybe I'll try to get some interviews for you guys. Let me know uh, who you guys want to talk about. I see this also happening outside of WWE uh, was Chris Jericho jumping Kenny Omega in a New Japan ring, which, look, it's awesome. There is nothing not cool about what's going on between Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. It's going to get a lot of eyes on New Japan and hopefully it'll make New Japan an even bigger uh, platform, an even bigger space than it is right now uh, because that's good for wrestling if it's a bigger space than it is right now. Um, I thought that the, for me, I'm not one of these guys that is mad about the fact that there's no blood in wrestling, but I do think the blood helps. I think that the, the blood, I think it was, you know, you, I, I thought that the blood helped that story. I wish a little bit more had been done to get the blood. I wish it had been more than just hitting him with the belt, and then we could kind of see Kenny Omega blading, but that's me being a super inside fan. But honestly, I mean, Wrestle Kingdom is being targeted towards super inside wrestling fans, right? In the United States, anyway. So I, I, I would have liked a little bit more of a beating to get that blood. But regardless, that's me being nitpicky. I thought, uh, you know, Jericho looked awesome. And the fact that he was actually in Japan, like, turned everybody's head upside down, which is exactly what you need in a story like this. Uh, Kenny Omega is the perfect guy to work with. Wiping the blood. When Brock Lesnar did that with Hogan's blood and he wiped the blood on himself, like, I'm a big fan of, of wiping your opponent's blood on yourself. I think it's a super badass move. So I was very, I, I found it to be very, very exciting. I thought it was super well done. Uh, Jericho Savage work this weekend. Brutal. It really was. I, I really like that Jericho, too, is... Uh, and, and somebody's asking, is Chris Jericho done with WWE? No. No, I don't think he is at all. Um, I think he's just doing this because it's a cool thing to do. Um, I really like that Jericho is going to New Japan and completely uh, ingratiating himself with that audience and that culture and that show. He's not sitting there worried about being super PG and WWE and TV friendly and, like, 
you know, let me mind my P's and Q's because I want to make sure that I'm coming back to WWE on good terms and blah, blah, blah. He's completely in it in a way that you would want Chris Jericho to be in it in the sense that he is, it's, it's total, the word savagery is right. I laughed so hard when Jericho threw the table and Omega ate it hard. Yeah. I mean, he is really, he was really beating the snot out of Kenny Omega and he wasn't doing it in a nice way. He wasn't doing it in a nice media personality, I want to host a game show, Chris Jericho way. He was doing it in a way that we are telling an absolutely brutal story to convince people to buy a pay-per-view to watch this match in New Japan. Because New Japan pro wrestling has a realism to it. The fans still want to get lost in this story. And... Jericho is on board with that and Jericho is complimenting it. The last thing I think Jericho wants is to go to New Japan and be this WWE guy who's now in New Japan. And he's not at all. I mean, it was super successful. And, you know, I think Jericho is going to do a hell of a job at the show. Jericho knows that this is a, this is a huge look for him. And, he, and, and you talk about a guy who takes advantage of opportunity. Jericho is that guy. Jericho always, always wants to do something that people are going to remember. And, and he, doesn't, he doesn't rest on his laurels. He's not sitting there going like, well, the Kevin Owens thing was great this year, so I'm good for the year. No. He wants to do something with Kenny Omega that's even better than the Kevin Owens thing. And, you know, it'll be tough because the Kevin Owens thing was such this beautifully orchestrated story uh, uh, told over the course of months. And, you know, the, the, uh, the New Japan thing is only a couple of, of appearances leading up to a pay-per-view. But depending on, on what the match actually looks like, that could be the thing that people talk about coming out of 2017 into 2018. Um, emotional investments are very important uh, in any storyline, and New Japan has it. That's 100% right. Jericho beat up Kenny Omega uh, like Omega was stealing his goat crown. You believe that. You believe in the, uh, in the Alpha versus Omega argument. You believe that Chris Jericho looks at Kenny Omega like he's got something to prove. You believe that Chris Jericho feels like people are not giving him the credit for being the best in the world at what he does because they're so interested in Kenny Omega and the elite and the Bullet Club and all this stuff. And you believe that Jericho is going to Japan to prove that he's still better than Kenny Omega and he's the best right now. Um... In, uh, in the world, which I think is, is, is awesome. Um, he says, I've always liked the visual of blood in certain matches or spots. I feel like Hell in a Cell match is missing that element. Sometimes, sometimes, uh, definitely sometimes. So uh, the other big announcement that just came down this week was that the WWE is doing a show called Mixed Match Challenge on Facebook. And it's a very, very interesting premise. It's a mixed tag tournament where you'll have... Raw versus SmackDown. And technically, Survivor Series is the one night of the year when Raw and SmackDown compete in head-to-head competition. Not mixed tag competition. Mixed tag competition is mixed match challenge. That's different. It's not head-to-head competition. It's two heads versus two heads. That's totally different. Don't get them confused. Mixed match challenge is different. But they haven't announced who the teams are. They've announced that they're going to have, from Raw, Alexa Bliss, Alicia Fox, Asuka, Bailey, Braun Strowman, Enzo, Finn Balor, Nia Jax, Goldust, Sasha Banks, The Miz, and one other person that the fans will vote for on Facebook. On SmackDown, you got Becky Lynch, Bobby Roode, Carmella, Charlotte, Jimmy Uso, Lana, Naomi, Natalia, 
Rusev, Sami Zayn, Nakamura, and one member of the New Day that the fans will vote for. And what will happen is you'll have one guy, one girl on a team, and there's going to be a single elimination tournament. I don't know how you do that with 12 teams, but there's going to be a single elimination tournament with one uh, team being crowned the winner. And I think it's a cool premise. I think you got a lot of star power there. Uh, they're obviously gung-ho about this. It's going to be a 20-minute show that broadcasts live on Facebook, so that's a global audience, which I think is a good thing. But to me, the most interesting part about this is that it's going to air live at 10 p.m. on Tuesday night on Facebook. 10 p.m. Tuesday night live. What are we doing with the 205 crew? Now, obviously, 205 Live is not being cast aside because in January, they've got live events specific to 205 Live. They could move 205 Live. Look, you could do 205 Live on Monday nights at 11, but now you're asking an audience to sit there for four hours plus whatever matches you tape before Raw, right? Adding an hour to the end of Raw is a lot. Even sitting at home, I can't imagine being in the arena. So that would be tough. You know, if you're going to do it live, I wouldn't think that you're going to do it any day besides Monday or Tuesday because, you know, you, you, you're, you're trying to do a, a you're not going to fly all your TV equipment out for another night of the week for no reason. Maybe they'll start doing it at 7. Maybe they'll move 205 Live to 7 Eastern on the WWE Network. So on Tuesdays, you watch 205 Live before SmackDown. I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world to move it to 7 p.m. and then have uh, the Facebook thing on, uh, Mixed Match Challenge on at 10. Because I don't think it makes sense to do it at 10, 20. Because you're not going to have Mixed Match Challenge on the WWE Network, at least at first. Um, so, I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what happens with 205 Live. My, If I had to predict something, I would say they move it to 7 p.m. I think that, that that's... Sean saying Monday at 7 p.m. is his guess. And that, that economically, I would get that because now you're talking about not having to bring the 205 Live guys to the Tuesday TV tapings anymore. But again, that's a four-hour block of TV as opposed to a three-hour block of TV. So I don't know what you would do, but I, I think that it's going to be a 7 p.m. start time, either Monday or Tuesday for 205 Live. That's what I would guess. Uh, it says, hopefully with 205 hitting the road, they'll drop the live element and tape the shows uh, at smaller venues. It's expensive to tape TV, though. I think that's why they're... One of the reasons why it's live, even if you are if you could tape it, like, it's expensive to tape TV. They may not want to bring camera crews out, and you can't, you can't bring the budget down on 205 Live because you spent so long holding production value at a certain spot, right? We're used to 205 Live having production value on the level of a Raw or SmackDown. So if you go to smaller venues where you're not going to bring the whole video screen, look, it might be the best thing in the world for 205 Live because you can start making it look like a really different show. But at the same time, if it looks lower budget, it's going to look like a downgrade and you don't want to do that. You know what I mean? You don't want to do that for an already established show. Why not record 205 Live and air it at 205 on Saturdays? I Look... I'd say call it 6.05 and just 6.05 p.m. Saturday. It's like Saturday night. The reason you can't call it 205 Live and air it at 205 on Saturdays is because it's not live, right? I guess you could just keep calling it 205 Live and air it 205 on, on Saturday. I guess You could, but I think people would wonder why it was called live then. Also, when are you taping it? That still is up in the air, right? Are you going to tape it at 10.30 after you're done with the Facebook show? 
You're extending the night by a half hour for the talent, for the people in the audience. You know, I don't know if you're going to do that. If you're going to add to on the back end, you know what I mean? Because then you'd have to start the 205 tapings at 1030. And now you're in a building until 1130 on a weeknight. I don't know. I don't know. Wouldn't it make more sense to move 205 to a different day? Yes, but, but the cost. The cost of moving TV to a different day is a lot. Um, all right, we're running we're running out of time. Um, it looks like a triple threat match with Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. I think, you know, that that would be where it's leading. And I think that's the right call. We've seen Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman. And I don't think we necessarily want to do uh, Kane versus Brock Lesnar one-on-one. Like I don't, so uh, you know if you're if you're if you're gonna do something, I would say a triple threat match uh, would work best. And uh, you know, all we can do is hope that Rich Swan. Uh, you know, I said on Twitter it was disappointing what's going on with Rich Swan, and the reason it's disappointing is because you get a guy like Rich Swan who's got all the opportunity in the world, and it feels like he's squandering opportunity when he does something like he's accused of doing. Hopefully, the accusations end up being false. It doesn't seem like they are. Um, and he doesn't have to be done. But if the accusations aren't false, you know, I'm not going to sit here and justify bringing the dude back because you got to draw the line. You got to draw the line. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's get the heck out of here. Uh, appreciate everybody uh, being a part of this thing here on Facebook. I appreciate everybody downloading the podcast too. Don't forget, if you want to be a part of State of Wrestling live on Facebook, like facebook.com slash notsam. Uh, and... If you're on Facebook right now, download the podcast. Each and every Thursday morning is when it comes out, so subscribe to it, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and we will see you next week. Reek. We'll see you next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget Clash of Champions pre-show. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.